away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Um, And Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. There was probably around 20,000 altogether, most scholars would argue, if you included all the women and the children. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when he had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for being you. Thank you so much for the joy of knowing you. And God, we come now with our hearts as wide open as they were in the worship and in the prayers and the hearing. We want to receive God from you now. So God, not just in the mind, but in the heart, please, in this room. And Father, we want to make a difference in the lives of those around us and in our nation and in our world. So come and speak to us now, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're probably going to run over just over 12, I'm afraid, but we're going to just look at this briefly together. Where this feeding of the 5,000 is one of the few miracles, in fact, I think it's the only miracle that's recorded in the four Gospels. There's a real significance to it. And the immediate context we see when we read the accounts in the other Gospels is that Jesus has sent the disciples out on a ministry trip, and they've done the stuff, and they come back to report to Jesus all that's happened. And they're so excited, and and there's this real sense of, oh, God, you've used us. But they're quite tired. (laughs) And so Jesus takes them into a boat and takes them to the other side of this lake, really, it seems, in order to give them a time to chill out. But this crowd are so enthralled by Jesus that they follow them. They see them going and think, you're not getting away that quick. And they walk around the lake. By the time they get to the other side, this crowd is nearly upon them. And so the context is that then Jesus stays and he teaches this crowd about the kingdom of God. We see that in another account in another gospel. And he heals the sick. And at the end of a very long day, after a very long period of ministry, the disciples are absolutely shattered. And this crowd of 20,000 people are so enthralled by Jesus, they've forgotten to have their lunch and tea and are absolutely starving. And then they're, they're left with this dilemma, what are they going to do? And as you read the Gospel of John, we see what he expects is the purpose of this story. There's many things as we're going to see, but the purpose primarily is this. It is to teach us the the sufficiency of Jesus. If you read later on in John 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. 
This is why I did that miracle, as among as other things. But primarily, it's to point people to who I am, that I am the sufficient one. I'm the one who will satisfy the hunger of the human soul. But it's also about this. Jesus just loves people. And he fed these, these 20,000 people simply, I think, because they were hungry and needed feeding. And he wanted to meet their need. And so the truth we see throughout the New Testament and we see in this story is this. Jesus uses inadequate people who bring what they can to him to meet the overwhelming needs of others. And the truth of this, uh, these few weeks, this, so this week and next week is this. Just bring what you can and let's see what Jesus will do. That's the, the essence of what we see in this passage. And I just want us to see four things. And we're going to share a bit about our partnership into Ethiopia. Uh, and then next week we'll hear about Patel. We've already heard about the local thing with Lucy. But four things. The first thing is the need, verses 1 to 7. There's this incredible need to face Jesus and the disciples. This huge crowd of 20,000 people who are broken, vulnerable, and at the end of the day, really hungry. And we see Jesus meets their need. He physically heals them. We see he speak God's truth to them. He sees, we see Luke Mark's account that he sees they are like sheep without a shepherd. They need direction. They need truth. They need speaking into their lives. So Jesus looked at this huge crowd of people and he was overwhelmed by the need that he saw. But we see three separate responses to the need in these gospels. The first is Philip. Philip just saw the need and thought it was impossible. Jesus said to Philip, this is where Philip grew up. That's why I think he asked him. He's sort of saying, Philip, you're a local lad. Where do you think we can get the food from? And in this moment, Philip's like, flipping heck, I don't know how we're going to do this. This is impossible. There's 20,000 people in huge need. We've got nothing. This is impossible. So one response is, this is impossible. We can't make a difference, so we're going to do nothing. I think lots of people respond that way. They see a need or hear about a need, but think what they could do about it is so minuscule that it's not worth doing at all. They see the impossibility and shy away. The second response is from the other disciples, and we read this in the other accounts. Uh, And so basically the text context of the disciples, I think, are shattered. They've been used by God, they've been stepped out, they've ministered, they've met the needs at the end of a long day, and Jesus is saying, uh, 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 these people need feeding. And we read in the other Gospels, basically the disciples say, well, tell them to get lost, Jesus. Tell them to go down to the local McDonald's and Subway and sort themselves out. Just tell them to go home, Jesus, and go to their own villages and sort it out. So the disciples are too busy to get involved. They feel they've done too much stuff already. They, they don't want to do any more. And so Philip thinks it's impossible, backs out. The disciples think they're too busy and can't be bothered, so go away. And then we see Jesus. And we just see in Mark's gospel, I think it is, where he was overwhelmed with compassion and acted. And the heart behind Make a Difference, guys, is to love Jesus. And out of that love for Jesus, to love people. The most emptiest of lives is when someone is so full of themselves. And if all you think about is yourself, me, myself, and I, the Holy Trinity, you're going to live a very unsatisfying life. And Jesus said, didn't he, love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. And so as we consider the need as a church family, and the difference that you and I can make, how are we going to respond? We've heard from Lucy 
about the, the need, the huge need among the young people in this town. Next week we'll hear from Battelle. But we're going to hear now about a, a partnership we've been working with local churches in Ethiopia where we go in and we learn from them as much as really what we can help to support them. But we're going into Ethiopia with Tear Fund and longing to make a difference more and more in the communities there. And I think we've got a, a video that we can just watch now and just think about this. Lord, I want to hear the heartbeat behind this and see the need. So should we watch this video if it's lined up? That would be great. Through Make a Difference, we are honoured to be partnering with Tear Fund and the local church here in Ethiopia to empower communities to raise themselves out of poverty through self-help groups. The Ethiopian Calais Haywet Church is the largest evangelical denomination here in Ethiopia with over 8,000 local churches with 8 million members. Our vision as EKHC is showing love of God in action for the community. Self-help groups are made up of 15 to 20 members, weekly meeting. And the meeting, they save money. They have agendas to discuss, especially the social issues, political issues, and especially the challenges they have. They meet in a church, they discuss local issues, but they also save together so that when somebody has a need or someone wants to start a business, they can borrow that money from the group rather than having to go to a local loan shark with extortionate interest. This way, they are empowering themselves and lifting themselves out of poverty. It has been amazing for us to travel and visit some of these self-help groups. We went to Yergalem where we heard firsthand how self-help groups have helped both individuals and communities to transform their lives. My name is Sahai Philippos. I'm married and I have two children. Before I joined the self-help group, when I was giving birth to my first child, I was very sick and I had to stay at Yirgalem Hospital for four days. I could not find money to pay for the hospital, so I suffered a lot. My family had to go and ask for money from the loan shark. After I finished the medical treatment, it was very difficult for us to pay him back with the interest. So we had to save part of our land to give him back the money. On top of that, we always face the problem on the food nutrition that we take. It was only after I joined the self-help group that I could provide a balanced diet for my children. After I took 200 per loan, I started my better selling business and got 700 per profit. The second loan was 1,000 per. With the 1,700 per, I bought a cow. I was able to construct an iron-sheeted house and start the process of changing my life. Self-help group has helped me and my family to be independent. I was always expecting someone to come and help me. But now I'm capable of helping others. We have seen holistic transformation through self-help group approach. One is self-confidence personal development. People are able to speak in public, they are confident, they are able to express their views, and they have more skills and knowledge. We have seen also social development. People love each other, they respect each other. There is trust, mutual understanding, respect, taking care of one another. People who had nothing have now something. 
to change their households, to change and to transform also their community. We have seen also spiritual transformation. As a result of such a group, many people have come to face. They were able to see really Christ through Salfa Group. Being a member of a self-help group helped me to be spiritually strong. One way is that I can share my love with others. It also gave me an opportunity every week. We get to pray and read the word of God. I want to see my family grow economically, spiritually, and develop socially as well. I also want to be a role model as a member of a self-help group. I want to be a role model for my community. This is my hope for the future. Not only do people meet in self-help groups, but the self-help groups come together in clusters where they actually identify some of the bigger needs of their communities. One of these clusters has identified the, the thing that they need is good education for their children. And so they've done it. They've built this incredible school to give their own kids the best education. We are organized together with those local churches, more than 17,000 self-help groups. 917 cluster level associations and seven federations in Ethiopia. And we addressed direct beneficiaries of 354,000 uh, people, which is uh, indirectly addresses 1.3 million people. Alive Church, through our partnership with the local church and tier fund, we have a great opportunity to make a difference. So please be encouraged to give generously. Powerful, isn't it? And so that's our international focus, is to support and to uh, empower as much as we can the local churches there and learn as much as we can from them, the heroes of the faith over there as well. Locally, it's the school's work. Nationally, it's Batel. Three really quick things, and then we're going to bring this to land. Uh, it's not one o'clock, is it? Has that clock been changed? <laughs> I thought, flip it, egg. <laughs> I'm going to watch Arsenal this afternoon. I've missed my train if it's one o'clock. <laughs> Oh, 12 o'clock. You guys all right for five more minutes? Great. Even if you said no, I'd have gone home. But just four, uh, three quick things. The first thing I've noticed about this story is the boy. You just think about what's happening here. 20,000 people needing to be fed. And then we just hear that Andrew comes to him and says, there's a lad here with uh, five loaves and two fish. I don't know about you. Have you ever wondered what actually happened? Do you think the boy himself went to Andrew or do you think Andrew went and bullied the first person he found? <laughs> but the boy just brought what he had. He, he could have just thought, this is nothing. 20,000 people, five loaves, two fish, going to make no difference at all. And this is the principle, please, of this church. I'm not, uh, God isn't interested in the amount. He's interested in the generosity. And even if you can only afford what you feel is a very small amount, bring what you have and let Jesus do the rest. That boy could have thought, I've got nothing. I'm not even going to bother to give these five loaves or two fish because that's nothing. And yet he brought them to Jesus. The third thing is the rescuer. It's Jesus that does it, not us. It's interesting, isn't it? Jesus took the bread and blessed it. It's in the context of Passover. He's reminding them, and he's going to do it a bit later in John's Gospel. We saw this last week, didn't we, as he was preparing them for communion. 
take this bread and uh, remember the body that was broken. And he broke the bread and blessed it and gave thanks to it for it. So in this context, he's pointing them to him. It's Jesus who is going to do this, not us. He is the rescuer, not me and you. And then the fourth thing is the multiplication. Again, just think about this kingdom principle that is incredible, and I've seen it over 20 years of ministry, that when we bring what we can, Jesus supernaturally multiplies it and does what we don't think we could do. This boy came with these these five loaves and two fish, and again, I love just, just letting the Bible breathe, just let the reality of what we're reading come alive. I wonder how Jesus did it, whether he he multiplied the fish and the loaves as he blessed it and it just went brrr, or or as he prayed and as he put it into the the knapsacks, whatever it was that the the disciples had, and it multiplied in their bags. But can you imagine, imagine someone like Peter, who always just spoke his mind, just walking off going, oh my days, I'm going to look such an idiot. I'm going to get lynched, I'm going to go and feed all these people and I've got this poncy part of a loaf and fish. And he walks and he sneaks up and goes, oh, it's full. And he goes, John, John. Yeah. Have a look in your bag. I'm not looking in my bag. I'm all stupid enough as it is. Have a look in your bag. And, and he looks and he's like, wow. And as they walk among these 20,000 people, it just never goes down. That's the work of the living God. People said a church would never grow in Grantham. I had people coming up to me when we started 12 and a half years ago. Give up. Churches die in Grantham. They never grow. But I knew a kingdom principle then that has been proven in my life and proven in many lives in this room. That when you bring what you can, Jesus does incredible things with it. Far more than what in the natural that should be able to do. And so this week, that was just a quick message this morning because we just wanted to share stories of what we're, why we're doing this. But this week, if you're part of this church, I want to challenge you to take ownership on this. If this is the church you regard as your church family, this is what we're wanting to step into. As well as our regular generous giving, we want to bring what we can and resource this work in Ethiopia with Battelle with Lucy and the school's work. And let's just see what Jesus does. So our faith target is, is £15,000, which is five times the amount we got last year. But we want us to go for it and just see what Jesus does. And so I want to encourage you this week, think about what is it I'm going to give on Sunday? What is the amount that you can either pledge or give as a one-off? And let's come next week with what we have the the five loaves and the two fish, give it to the king and let him do the rest. And so this week, this is how we are. I don't ever know what anyone gives in this church. I know some church leaders want to know. I don't. It's between you and the Lord. I want you to be generous, but the amount is between you and him. But I ask you and I challenge you to do this. This is how I do it. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to to give? And then whatever he says... And I test and away it over a few days, I obey. And so I want to ask you to be open to that. Just say, God, just me and you, what are you saying for me to give into this vision of reaching this lost generation in our town?
to, to support Battelle and the incredible work they do, to support Tear Fund and the local churches in Ethiopia. Holy Spirit, what is it you want me to give? And then just do it. So let's, next week, let's bring what we have and just see what Jesus does. Is that okay? Should we stand together and I'll pray? Sorry, there's been a lot of information this morning. But God, we love you and we, we lay this at your feet. And just as the little boy brought what he had, we, we bring what we have. Not just for next week, but for everything. So Holy Spirit, we wait upon you now. Come and fill us afresh, Lord. Speak all over this room. Holy Spirit, you speak. Pop into hearts things that you're wanting them to do and also things that you're wanting them to give, as it were, to, to this next week. Because we want to make a difference, God. And now I pray the blessing of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to rest upon you. Enjoy, Jesus. As someone once said, I've read the last page. It's all going to be okay. Death itself is victory in him. God, give us a heavenly perspective on life. And I pray for every person in this room. May they enjoy you, know you, run with you, delight in you. And may we have a wonderful week. And this time next week, God, may we take the biggest ever single offering we've ever taken in this church because we want to make a difference. And I pray this in your name. Amen.